Even though the Sacramento Kings have just won their 47th game of the season, it doesn't surprise me that they're still not getting all of the respect that they deserve, especially when it comes to playoff respect. Well, I'm going to share with you why I believe the Sacramento Kings will quickly earn that playoff respect and why their defensive numbers are negatively over-exaggerated. All right here on the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long and soon to be all postseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. Spent the last couple of days in Portland. Was there for the Kings clinching the playoffs, which if you haven't checked out that episode, go and check that out. But came back before tonight's game, so I'm back here in the ABC 10 studios, happy to talk about another Kings win. They win 138 to 114. However, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this Kings win because in reality, it was expected. There are certain things that you could pull out uh, from this game and, and, and tiny things that we're going to touch on over the course of this podcast. But really, it's time, time to start really focusing our attention to the postseason, right? We know the Sacramento Kings have clinched. Now, they were playing for a Pacific Division title tonight. However, they didn't get the help that they needed from the Denver Nuggets. I'll explain that more and talk about that a little bit later on in the show. But the focus is on the playoffs. In fact, the focus is on, in the build-up to the playoffs, how the Sacramento Kings still aren't necessarily getting the respect that you would normally see a three-seed get. Now, I understand Sacramento Kings fans who are pointing out national media members and, and those who just have a negative outlook of the Sacramento Kings because they don't really know better to uh, that, that they're they're continuously moving the goalposts. Kings get off to a hot start. Oh, it's just a it's just a flash in the pan. It, it, it won't sustain. Kings get to the trade deadline. Don't make many moves. Oh, post trade deadline, the Kings are going to fall apart. Kings clinch the division. Oh, they're going to be first round exits, and now everybody wants to play them. Blah 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 blah. Whatever. Like it, it, it comes with the territory. And you know, Mike Brown actually spoke on this uh, on a, on a podcast recently with uh, um, I think he was with Chris Haynes, uh, and he talked about like. He knows what the narrative is. He knows guys like Brian Windhorst on ESPN are talking about teams that want to play the Sacramento Kings. And he says, we deserve it. We haven't done anything yet. And he said, if we are as good as we think we are, then we'll, we'll change their minds. So it's coming, right? I don't necessarily expect the Sacramento Kings to be labeled this team that is going to do great in the playoffs when nobody has seen this team do great in the playoffs. The same way I didn't expect anybody to label this team a third seed coming into the season, even though they are now. They still have to earn that respect. But look, the Kings are quickly going to earn that respect. I mentioned the the, the comments that uh, Windhorst made. He talked about, and a lot of this was kind of a regurgitated take from a few months ago where he talked about the Los Angeles Lakers wanting to play the Kings in the first round. Well, once he realized and once everybody realized that the Lakers, even though they're now one game over 500, which is cause for celebration, I guess, and in that seventh spot, they still have to win the uh, uh, the um, play-in tournament to secure that seventh spot. So if the Kings move up to two, which is still very possible, maybe we get a Kings and Lakers series and the Lakers apparently get what they want. But regardless, now that the Lakers have kind of fallen out, it's been the Golden State Warriors that are suddenly the team that wants that sixth spot. However, 
I push back on that a little bit. Again, I understand it. I understand every team in the Western Conference that looks through the teams and picks out the Sacramento Kings and says, they're the least uh, tried. They have defensive issues. We're going to go after them. We believe that we can beat them, right? I don't blame any team in the West for having that mindset. But again, be careful what you wish for because the Sacramento Kings defense isn't nearly as bad as people make it out to be, or rather the gap between the Kings defense and defenses of of other teams that they may face is not that significant. And I'll get into that uh, in a little bit. But for the Golden State Warriors, for example, okay, they want the sixth spot. Take tonight, the Kings, or rather the Warriors, defeated the, uh, the, the San Antonio Spurs 130 to 115. They're now half a game back of the fifth spot, and they're a game, and I think a game to a game and a half back. It's either a game or a game and a half, but they're in reach of the fourth spot. Now, the fifth spot, I understand, right? If the Phoenix Suns stay in the fourth spot, the LA Clippers are in the fifth spot. If the, the Warriors were to jump up to the fifth st- uh, spot, suddenly they still don't have home court advantage and they're playing the Phoenix Suns instead of the Sacramento Kings. So if it comes down to those those two spots, I understand completely, yeah, the Warriors would rather stay at six and play the Kings. At that point, the difference between five and six really doesn't matter. But when the Warriors are as bad as they've been on the road and as good as they've been at home, they've only lost eight games at home this season. That team is extremely good inside the Chase Center, but they're really, really bad outside of it. That is in their mind as well. So you, you mean to tell me that the Golden State Warriors would rather stay in the sixth spot, not have home court advantage to take on the Sacramento Kings when they could potentially move up to four, secure home court advantage where they've been dominant this season and avoid having to play more games on the road, not just for the opening round, but if they continue to go deeper and deeper into the playoffs and face, in theory, better and higher seeds over the course of the playoff run, they don't have to worry about home court advantage or uh, playing more games on the road than at home. I don't know if I fully buy that. Again, it makes sense for me for the Golden State Warriors for travel purposes, being the defending champs, the Kings aren't tested. You can make plenty of arguments for why the Warriors or any team would want to play the Kings. But I'm, I'm going to call cap a little bit on this idea presented that the Golden State Warriors are happy to stay in six and would prefer to stay in six than moving up to four, which is very much within reach over these final handful of games, especially considering uh, the opponents that the Golden State Warriors are still taking on. So I, I call cap on that a little bit. And also... Don't worry about guys like this guy, like Alex Monaco, I think is his name. Never seen him before in my life, but apparently he hosts a podcast and does stuff with like uh, Vegas betting and stuff like that, saying the Sacramento Kings are going to flame out in the first round. That defense is so bad. They're, they're absolutely going to be first round exits. They're, they just, they don't know any better, right? They're so used to the Sacramento Kings being bad. Their brain can only handle one take and one idea when it comes to the Kings. So instead of giving the Sacramento Kings any kind of respect that they deserve and have earned over the course of this regular season, they're just going to discredit it because that's all they know how to do. That's fine. The same guy said the Sacramento Kings weren't going to cover the, what was it, 32 or or 33 win total this season. That was the original Vegas betting line. And again, the Kings just won their 47th tonight. So don't worry about those kind of opinions. That's, that's disrespect that doesn't matter. Disrespect that does matter is teams questioning how good the Sacramento Kings are going to be, or national media questioning how good the Sacramento Kings are going to be. And even though it is disrespectful based off of how good the Kings have been so far this season, it's not necessarily unwarranted or unquestionable because, or rather, it's not necessarily questionable or, or just you can just dismiss it as just being negative for the sake of being negative because the Kings haven't proven anything in the playoffs yet. But let's talk about defense a little bit because offense is the key for this team, right? 
If the Sacramento Kings are the team uh, in the playoffs offensively that they've been all season long, averaging 121 points per game, outscoring everybody, dismissing basically or overcoming some of the better defenses in the NBA when they take on Sacramento, whether it's at home or on the road. If that's the Kings, uh, or if that's what the Kings bring to the table consistently in the playoffs, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat for anybody. You name it. I do not think there's any team in the Western Conference that would sweep the Sacramento Kings. In fact, I only think there are two teams in the NBA that would sweep the Sacramento Kings this season. Those two teams are rather in the playoffs. Those two teams are the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe the Philadelphia 76ers, you can convince me. And again, you know how, if you've listened to Locked on Kings, you know how I think the, the champion is coming out of, out of the East. But if the Sacramento Kings were to play any team, you name it, any team in the Western Conference, Denver Nuggets, sure. Memphis Grizzlies, sure. Even the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are the only team to beat the Sacramento Kings three times this season, sure. Any of those teams I don't think are sweeping the Sacramento Kings because their offense is too good. Now, teams are going to make defensive adjustments. Kings are going to do things that are going to disrupt Sacramento's offense. We've seen the implementation of 2-3 zone. We've seen teams try and take away uh, DeMontis Sabonis' freedom uh, in and around the paint for the Kings to run the ball through in the high post, in the low post, with the hand uh, dribble handoffs. Uh, on the perimeter. We've seen teams try and deny DeMontis the basketball, uh, switch on him and force him into more isolation, which he struggled with. It's something the Minnesota Timberwolves did really well uh, earlier this week and on Monday night when the Kings were trying to clinch in their own building. But the reality is the Sacramento Kings, like they have all season, they control their destiny in the playoffs. If the Kings are hitting shots, they will win games. If they're missing shots, they're beatable. And we've seen Sacramento recently miss a, a decent amount of good looks that were nothing but net and were almost automatic for Sacramento earlier on in the season. It's really up to the Sacramento Kings. If they're going to make shots, if shots are going to fall, a lot easier said than done, I know, but if shots are going to fall, this Kings team is going to be a difficult exit for anybody to knock out. In fact, if the Sacramento Kings are hitting shots, I don't care if they're playing the Warriors, I don't care if they're play playing the Clippers, I don't care if they're playing the Lakers or the Timberwolves. If the Kings are hitting their shots, they will advance out of the first round. Defense be damned. And the reason why I say that is, first off, the Sacramento Kings have so many weapons offensively that you don't know who's going to beat you. Like, the Kings had four players score 20 points tonight in this win against the Portland Trailblazers. Again, four players scored 20 points, and the Kings put up 138. No guy had to put all the scoring on his back, although De'Aaron Fox is capable of doing that. DeMontis Sabonis is capable of doing that. We've seen different players at different times score 30, sometimes 40 points when they have to. This Kings team is loaded with weapons. That makes them extremely difficult to stop for opposing defenses. But especially when it comes to the fourth quarter, especially when it comes to the fourth quarter, Sacramento is in their element. They allowed the Portland Trailblazers to make this a little bit of a game late third quarter, early fourth quarter. Then they slammed the door shut in the Portland Trailblazers' face. Why? Because the Kings are one of the best fourth-quarter teams in the league. In fact, there is only one team in the Western Conference with a better net rating in the fourth quarter. Believe it or not, that team is the Los Angeles Lakers. But the Kings have the fourth-best net rating in the fourth quarter. They have the second-best offensive uh, net rating in the fourth quarter at 118, or rather, they score 118.5. No, excuse me, back up. They have the second-best offensive rating in the fourth quarter at 118.5 and the 17th-best, so bottom half of the league, defensive rating in the fourth quarter at 122.9. But 17th-best defense in the fourth quarter is a lot better than 26th-best defense, which is what they are overall in points per game uh, allowed this season. We're going to dive into that a little bit more. But if the game is close in the fourth quarter, 
the Sacramento Kings maybe should be favored, whether it's at home or on the road, because they've been really good in the fourth quarter in both locations. So I'm just saying, if the Kings can keep it close, if the Kings are hitting their shots, if the fourth quarter the game is up for grabs, Sacramento in a lot of ways is going to earn the respect that they're not gaining right now. But defense is the major reason why you see people say this Kings team isn't ready. This Kings team should be a first-round exit. Teams are going to go after the Kings defense. They're 26th worst defense in the league, blah, 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 blah. Statistically, you're correct. The Kings have the 26th worst defense in the NBA. However, there are teams that they're likely facing that aren't much better than them. And even the teams that are loads better than them when you look at the standings, when you look at the, uh, the, the points per game allowed and the rankings, we're talking marginal defense. The reality is the defensive statistics are over-exaggerated in arguments against the Sacramento Kings. Nobody's going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you that the Kings defense isn't bad, right? We all know. But defense around the league is really bad. Really, really bad. Like, let's use this for an example. The Golden State Warriors, right? The Sacramento Kings have a better offensive rating than the Golden State Warriors. The Sacramento Kings have a better net rating than the Golden State Warriors. Sure, the Kings have the 26th worst defense in the NBA, right? Very bad. 26th best defense, so they're, they're, really, they're near the bottom of the league. The Golden State Warriors are 23rd in defense, giving up 117.6 points per game. The Kings give up 118. The difference in three spots from 26 to 23 is 0.4 points per game. So you want to tell me that the Golden State Warriors defense, yes, they're proven. Yes, we've, uh, we've seen them play good defense uh, in, in the playoffs before, and they've won championships, so they have that on their side. But if you're going to try and tell me that the Golden State Warriors defense is way better than the Sacramento Kings, you're going to cite the Sacramento Kings defensive metrics and the numbers that they give up per game and say, wow, the Kings are so bad defensively, but you're going to say that the Golden State Warriors are significantly better when they're average 0.4 points per game less than the Kings, not even half a point less than the Kings they give up. It's an over-exaggeration. And the Golden State Warriors only, aren't the only one. The, Golden, or the Los Angeles Lakers, the only reason I'm bringing them up is because they were the team that initially wanted the Sacramento Kings in the opening round. The Lakers are the 21st defense in the NBA. 116.5. We're talking a point and a half difference. Keep going further than that. The, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have done a great job defensively against the Sacramento Kings. They're 18th defensively in the league. We're starting to talk about middle of the road. They average 116 points per game allowed. We're talking two points difference. A team that averages two points less per game, they give up two points less per game, is all the way in the middle of the pack. You see what I mean? We're not talking about a massive gap between the Sacramento Kings and 26 and the teams that they're likely facing in this opening round of the playoffs. Those teams might be better defensively, sure. But the gap is not as significant as people are making it out to be. The Kings defense is not so much more dreadful than the other team that it negates their offense. In fact, when we're looking at these numbers and we're looking at these things, plus like the Dallas Mavericks are right in the center of the, the pack, right? They're 15th in defensive rating, right dead center, 113, or I'm not, I'm sorry, they're 15th in points per game allowed, 113.3 points per game allowed. Not even five points better than the Sacramento Kings. Now, five points in an average is pretty significant. But again, I'm pointing this out to say, like, we're talking marginal numbers here, not numbers that completely blow the Sacramento Kings away. I'll give you five points or nearly five points with the Dallas Mavericks at 15. But teams like Golden State, teams like the Lakers, teams like the T-Wolves, three teams that the Kings very well could face in the opening round, defensively, they're not loads better than the Sacramento Kings. Why is this important? Because even though it is a weakness for the Kings, 
it's not so much of a weakness that these defenses that are marginally better than Sacramento are going to be able to negate Sacramento's offense, which makes up for the Kings' bad defense. And I'm not just going to use those teams as an example. Let's use some of the teams in the West that are actually amongst the best defensive teams in the league and see how the Kings have shaped up against them so far this season. The Phoenix Suns, the fourth best defensive team in the league in terms of points per game allowed. They allow 111.7 points per game. The Kings have played there four times. The Kings scored 117 points, 109 points, 128 points, and 135 points against the Suns so far this season. That's an average of 122.2 points per game. That's higher than their, the Kings scoring average this season. So even though the Phoenix Suns have the fourth best offense in the league in terms of points per game allowed, the Sacramento Kings are still averaging a boatload of points against them. If those numbers, if that number, that 122.2 points per game allowed was what the Suns had for this entire season, it would be 29th, second to last in the league. That's what the Kings offense does against the fourth best defense in the league this season. Let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, the ninth best defense averaging 112.5 points per game. The Kings have scored 110, 113, 108, and 133, good for an average of 116 points per game. That would be 18th best defense for the Memphis Grizzlies. How about the Denver Nuggets, the 10th best defense in the league averaging 112.6 points per game allowed. The Kings have scored 106 and 127 points against them. They have one more game coming up, the final game of the season, so that game's to be determined. But in those two games, the Kings are averaging 116.5 points per game against them. That would be the 21st best defense in the league. And finally, the Los Angeles Clippers, who are the 12th best defense in the league, giving up an average of 112.7 points per game. The Kings have scored 109, 123 technically 176 if we include overtime, but I'm just going to do the four quarters numbers uh, the, uh, or the final number after the four quarters so we don't skew the numbers too bad with overtime, which was still 153 points and 128 points. That's an average of 128.2 points per game. That would put the Clippers' uh, defense in dead last by a major margin. So this is what the Sacramento Kings offense is doing against four of the best defensive teams in the league, at least in the Western Conference. Way worse. Those teams are way worse defensively against the Sacramento Kings than they are uh, against other teams in the league. So if you want to say that the Kings defense is bad and that playoffs are a different beast, playoffs are a different animal, and use that as an argument against the Sacramento Kings, you also have to use it as an argument before. If defenses are going to be better hypothetically in the playoffs against the Sacramento Kings, I have to imagine that offenses, with this being an offensive-driven league, Offenses can be good too. So unless the Sacramento Kings, like I talked about earlier, suddenly offensively are, are struggling to hit shots, which would be their kryptonite, if the Kings are struggling to hit shots, they're in big trouble. We know this. The Kings aren't going to win too many games off the back of their defense. Maybe they'll win a fourth quarter or a stretch at the end of the game, but they're not going to win a playoff series on the back of their defense. But their offense is good enough to make the best defenses in the league not good or at the very, very best middle of the pack. So you want to just discredit the Sacramento Kings and how they're going to play in the postseason because of their defense. You're missing why they're so good and why they're in this position in the first place and what that great offense has done against some of the best defenses in the league this season. I don't expect the Sacramento Kings to have playoff respect right now, but by the end of game one and game two, they will have that respect, especially if they protect their home floor here in Sacramento. Like I said earlier on the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel as we are approaching the finals 
of the uh, NCAA tournament. Of course, the NBA playoffs right around the corner. It is the perfect time for you right now to jump in on the action at FanDuel America's number one sportsbook. It's because right now, FanDuel is offering a no-sweat first bet, which is uh, up to $1,000 of bonus bets back if your first bet does not win. That's because FanDuel doesn't just want you to be a one-and-done player. They don't just want you to deposit whatever money you're willing to bet, put it on one game, lose, and then disappear forever. They want you to continue playing and ultimately continue making money and having fun. So if you win your first bet, congratulations. That's great. You get to keep that money. You're on a roll. You're off to a 1-0 start. If you lose that first bet, though, you can stick around, make that money back, and make money on top of it with, with their up to... Uh, $1,000 back in bonus bets. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim that no-sweat first bet. You can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net at the end of the tournament. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at no-sweat first bets up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. When you look at championship teams, typically they have big threes, right? When the Boston Celtics put together uh, Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, they had that big three, and no disrespect to Rajon Rondo, he was really good on that team too, but that was the Celtics' big three, which was countered by the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh big three uh, of, the, um, uh, of the Miami Heat, right? Big threes are very common when it comes to championship teams. You can look at the Golden State Warriors. You can say uh, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, or during the Kevin Durant era, Kevin, uh, Steph, and Clay. You could look at the Phoenix Suns right now, and initially their big three was Booker, CP3, and uh, DeAndre Ayton. Now Kevin Durant has come in and pushed one of the three of them out, probably DeAndre Ayton, if, I'm, if we're being honest, and has taken that third spot or maybe the number one spot, pushing Devin Booker down to two. Regardless, big threes are pretty common for teams who want to be championship contenders or labeled championship favorites. And... I believe that the Sacramento Kings Big 3 is already here. Now, they haven't developed into that championship Big 3 yet. They're further along than I expected. But the third of that Big 3, 1 and 2 are obvious. De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, right? Number 3 is already here, and his name is Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray, as a rookie, has already established himself as a starter on a playoff team and an elite 3-point shooter. We already talked about in his, uh, the last game how Keegan broke the record for three-pointers made by a rookie in NBA history, right? These are some of the names that he beat out. He beat Donovan Mitchell's record, Dame Lillard, Anthony Edwards, Luka Doncic, and Steph Curry. Those are names that are all in the top 10. Now, that doesn't guarantee you that Keegan Murray is going to be to the level of those players or better than those players. Of course not, right? The fact that Steph Curry is the greatest shooter ever to touch a basketball, and he's ninth on this list, tells you what you need to know. But... The point in pointing out those names is that Keegan Murray belongs in elite company when it comes as a shooter. And he has all the time in the world still to develop. So we know he's this good immediately now. He belongs on, in a starting lineup on a playoff team on a top three seed already now as a rookie. And he's only going to continue to get better. He's shown flashes of that over the course of the season. He's going to improve as a rebounder. He's going to improve as a defender. And he's going to improve creating his own shots, putting the ball on the floor. He did a great job attacking the basket in the first quarter, had 10 points in the first quarter of tonight's game, and shooting off the dribble. Like, Keegan Murray is going to develop into something even better than what he is right now. And even if this is who he is for his entire career, he has already established himself as a starter on a winning team here in Sacramento. Now, in the playoffs, and we've talked about this before, Keegan Murray is going to get targeted. 
teams are going to come after Keegan Murray, and it's going to be kind of a uh, a put up or shut up time for Keegan. And I asked uh, Mike Brown about this a couple weeks or a couple days ago earlier this week. And Mike talked about how like it's a trial by fire and he needs to go through it and he's up for the challenge. But if he's not, uh, if he's not performing, he's going to sit down next to Mike. And that's not Mike punishing Keegan. It's just the Kings don't have time to wait for him, right? If you're not performing, you sit down, someone else is going to go in. And it's no different for Keegan as a rookie than it is for Malik Monk or Kevin Herter or whoever. Mike Brown has treated this entire roster that way, not just his rookie and Keegan Murray. So sure, Keegan Murray might be singled out defensively in the playoffs. I expect it. Hopefully, Keegan is up for that challenge. But if he's pulled out and, not, and sits down, it's not the end of the world, and it's not Mike Brown giving up on his rookie. It's Mike making the adjustment he needs to make for the Sacramento Kings to win basketball games, which, again, is what Mike has been doing all season long. But I'm telling you, Keegan Murray is the third of this big three. Now, maybe, just maybe, the Sacramento Kings can pull a Kevin Durant-type move in this upcoming offseason or a future offseason where they get a star who wants to become part of the party here in Sacramento and join Fox and Sabonis. That would be an amazing situation. And then Keegan is pushed down to four in that sense. Okay, fine. Who cares? Like, I'm, I'm okay with that scenario if it means the Sacramento Kings winning rings. But if Fox, Sabonis, and Murray are the core for the foreseeable future in Sacramento, not only do I think, <clears throat> excuse me, do I think with that team improving, they can win a championship or compete for a championship, I believe Keegan Murray is more than capable of being that third guy and not a distant third behind first and second. I think he's more than capable of developing into that. And we talk about rookies that have had major roles in the playoffs. The last one to really be a star in the playoffs, I think, was Donovan Mitchell with the Utah Jazz his rookie year. But you go back to um, the 2022 playoffs when Scotty Barnes for the uh, Portland, or rather the Toronto Raptors, averaged 12.8 points per game and nine rebounds in 33 minutes. With the Raptors, there aren't a lot of def or players, Kings or rookies that get opportunity to play significant minutes in the playoffs. You have to pretty much be established. But as Scotty Barnes show showed in 2022, it's capable, it's doable, and Keegan Murray is so effective on the offensive end. If he's hitting shots and he's not a complete defensive liability, which I don't think he will be, if he can live up to the challenge of the wings targeting him and coming after him the way we saw Jalen Brown do against the Boston Celtics. There are going to be rough patches, but if he can stay out there and not negate what he brings offensively with what he does on the defensive end, I think he's going to be excellent for the Sacramento Kings in that right. I've been asked this before, and I'm going to touch on it really briefly. Now that the Sacramento Kings have clinched the playoffs, they're, they're essentially, I believe, one win away from clinching the division. Do the Sacramento Kings consider resting their guys before the playoffs? I think the answer to this question might be different going into game 81, uh, 82, the, the day game against the Denver Nuggets on Easter, than it is right now. But right now, the, the Sacramento Kings, Harrison Barnes, they've talked a lot about 50 wins being their goal. They've talked about 50 wins more than talked about clinching the playoffs. 50 wins is the goal for this team. I want to see the team continue to pursue that. Not because 50 wins is a milestone that's worth celebrating and really means anything, but because I want to see this team accomplish the goals that they're setting out for themselves. Plus, I think it's important for a team like the Sacramento Kings to not limp into the postseason, but to go into the postseason with some momentum. That doesn't mean winning your final game of the season in Denver, although it would be great if they do that. I think the game before that, game 81, the home game against the, uh, the uh, Golden State Warriors next weekend, that might be an essential game. Because if the Kings and the Warriors are going to meet in the opening round of the playoffs, that's a feel-out game for both teams. But that's also a game where the Sacramento Kings can establish themselves a little bit, especially on their home floor, which, by the way, the Kings have lost to the Warriors twice in Golden State. But the one time the Kings and the Warriors have played in Sacramento, the Kings have won that game. 
The Warriors have struggled on the road. I would like to see the Kings try and win that game and not rest up in that game. And who knows what the Golden State Warriors are going to do, but that could be a playoff preview right there. So I want to see the Sacramento Kings go for 50 wins. I don't mind them not resting until the final game of the season or not at all. Hopefully the Kings, in games like Sunday against the San Antonio Spurs, it didn't happen tonight against the Portland Trailblazers, but hopefully in games where they are very winnable or every game period for the remainder of the season, hopefully the Kings are handling their business enough to where DeMondis Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, and the Kings starters only have to play 28 to 32 minutes a night. That would be great instead of them playing their 35 to 40 minutes like they've been doing for the majority of the season heading into the playoffs. But remember, the Kings are also going to get a nice gap now that they've clinched the playoffs outright and clinched home court advantage. While the play-in is going on, the Kings are resting. The Kings get to sit back and, and, and take a breather a little bit. I think it's a five-game gap between the end of the season and the start of the playoffs. Five days for this team to rest up, five days for this team to get healthy, five days for this team to, as we know with Mike Brown, practice and prepare for, hopefully, playoff success. Before we wrap up, I mentioned the Pacific Division, the Sacramento Kings, not clinching the Pacific Division tonight, but no fault of their own. The Kings beat the Portland Trailblazers tonight. The Phoenix Suns, or rather, beat the Denver Nuggets tonight. The Nuggets were playing without back-to-back -back MVP Nikola Jokic, which is a significant loss for them. I will say, though, it got a little interesting. The Phoenix Suns were up by 27 points at one point in this game, and Denver came back to make it a game towards the end. But ultimately, the Suns did win the game, so the Pacific Division is not locked up. However, if my math is correct here, the Kings are 47 and 30. The Suns are 42 and 35. Both teams have played 77 games. There are five games remaining. If the Suns were to win all five games, that would put them at a final record of, or a final win total of 47, which is where the Kings are at right now. So what does that mean? If the Kings win one more game this season, they clinch to the Pacific Division. For just the third time in their Sacramento history, and their first time since 2002-2003, which was when the Kings were considered one of the best, if not the best, teams in basketball. So that would be a pretty significant accomplishment for this team. And maybe that clinch will happen. Hopefully that clinch does happen on Sunday. That would be a nice way to make up for the fact that the Kings didn't clinch the playoffs on Monday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Make up for that, clinch the division while it's already going to be a tremendous celebration inside the Golden 1 Center as the fans welcome the Sacramento Kings home uh, in a very, very, very winnable game against the San Antonio Spurs. Like, the Kings should absolutely win that game, and that should also be a game where De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis hopefully don't crack 30 minutes. That's what I would like to see out of that game. I will, of course, be at that game on Sunday. If you're coming to the game, let me know. We'd love to see you. Uh, reach out to me at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. And uh, also let me know if you're watching on uh, YouTube in the YouTube comment section down below. Appreciate your support. As always, can't wait to have you join me. On Sunday, the next episode of the Locked on Kings podcast after a Kings win over the San Antonio Spurs. The build-up to the playoffs is on, and now our focus is completely on the playoffs. Join me uh, for the final few games and few days of the regular season, then we dive into postseason coverage for the first time in the history of this podcast. Looking uh, uh, very much forward to that. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. <laughs>